Ryan is a social butterfly. Growing up, he always had friends. He played on travel baseball teams. He came from a solid home, and he was always part of the in crowd. When Ryan got to college, he wanted to get involved in campus life, and so he rushed a fraternity and became the treasurer by his junior year. However, although Ryan had many connections with other students on campus, he felt no one really understood who he was. He often felt isolated when his friends, uh, among his friends, um, because he felt like no one really understood him. He was trying to be someone that he's not. So he would often worry what his friends might think of him, what might think of him if he didn't act a certain way or agree with them on various issues. Even though everyone loved him, he felt like he was wearing a mask, hiding who he really was from everyone so as not to ruin his reputation. Well, maybe you can relate to Ryan, right? That feeling of being alone desiring to be known and to be understood by your peers. As if no one understands you or feeling like they don't quite, like you don't quite fit in among the people that you're around. That even though Ryan was a social butterfly and he was loved by all, he still felt empty inside. I think that's important for us uh, to take note of that we're going to be talking about. Well, this morning I want to address that that emptiness that we often call loneliness. And I want to do so just by looking at three things. Three things, you can find them there on your handout as you flip through there. Number one, the lies of your loneliness. Number two, the remedy for your loneliness. And number three, the response to your loneliness. So number one, the lies of your loneliness. Loneliness doesn't just exist in certain scenarios for certain people with certain personalities. All of us at one point or another will experience loneliness from various situations. And all of us long to belong and have a deep, intimate relationship with someone. It's innately within us. And yet because of sin, this is often, this is often the case, this longing. Because of sin, this is often the case. One of the distinctions that I want to make at the outset is that you can be lonely in private and in public. Often those who are part of the crowd are the most lonely people. That's why I started off with Ryan. We often, not, we often don't think of Ryan as super lonely because he has lots of friends. He's around lots of people. But that's not the case. And then those on the opposite side, those with limited time around others, aren't lonely at all sometimes. Because we often think, well, those who aren't around other people, well, they must just be lonely because they're not in the presence of a lot of people. So understand, you can be alone without feeling lonely, and you can feel lonely without being alone. So loneliness and aloneness aren't the same thing. They're actually different. However, one can can often accompany the other. If you are alone, oftentimes you can feel lonely. Okay? So before we get into the lies of loneliness, I want to look at the root of loneliness. What is loneliness at its root? Well, at its root, it's a spiritual issue, like what we've been covering every single week in all these topics. It's a spiritual issue. 
It's a result of the fall and it's a consequence of sin. So if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, before sin had even entered the world, God declared that it was not good for man to be alone. So understand, although Adam was alone, that doesn't mean that he was necessarily lonely. God is making a statement in that, God is making a statement in that verse rather than speaking just about Adam's feelings. So after all, at that time, Adam had perfect fellowship with God. He had not sinned. He had perfect fellowship with God in the garden. And so as God, uh, and so as God is not alone, but he eternally exists in a loving, life-giving relationship within himself as a trinity, okay? Three distinct persons, yet one nature, one being. And so since God eternally exists in a loving, life-giving relationship in and within himself as a trinity, so also God didn't want Adam to be alone. But, as one author put it, to enjoy a similar kind of fellowship God enjoys with himself. That's what he wanted, to enjoy a similar kind of fellowship God enjoys God enjoys with himself. And so he creates marriage not as a remedy to man's loneliness, but to glorify him through perfect fellowship with him and one another. The creation of marriage brought with it the creation of community. As one writer put it, God's answer to the problem of human loneliness is not just the sexual intimacy of marriage, but everything that that first marriage made possible. From it came more people and the possibility of life in community. So no matter if you're married or single, you're made to glorify God and to enjoy fellowship with him and his people. However, when we get to Genesis 3, we see something else that happens. Rather than obey God and enjoy perfect fellowship and union with him, they rebelled and sought to live life on their own. And so as a result of this, that perfect fellowship and that perfect union that Adam and Eve had with God was severed. It was severed. Their sins separated them and alienated them from God. That's what had happened. It was a severing of that relationship. This was the birthplace of loneliness and how it entered into the world. Rather than being open with God, they hid. Rather than being accepted by God... Now they are rejected, and they are kicked out of the garden. And so loneliness, if we're trying to figure out exactly what is loneliness, it's kind of a hard definition to define. And so loneliness, I think, is the pain that we feel as those who are separated or alienated from God and others. So when sin came into the world, not only is our relationship with God severed and messed up, but also even our relationship with others as well. To put it another way, as one pastor remarked, sometimes we call loneliness what God's word calls a longing for unhindered intimacy with him and others. It is a groaning for redemption deep down at its root. For that day when we will be united with God once again when Christ returns and we will be in perfect union and fellowship with him where that loneliness will give way to oneness. Since we're all sinners by nature, all of us experience loneliness in one form or another. 
And part of loneliness is the feeling of being separated from God. And yet, in our loneliness, we can begin to panic. We can begin to panic and be duped by various lies of our loneliness. And I want to look at primarily two of those lies. Number one, I can fix my loneliness. I can fix my loneliness. The first lie. Often we believe that if we just get new friends, if we can just change a job, maybe move to a new city, or even change churches, that our loneliness will be solved. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to fill that emptiness inside us with the hope of a new job, of a new city, of new friends, of a new church community. And the problem with this is that what we're looking for We're looking everywhere except to God. We're looking everywhere else for the remedy except finding that remedy in God himself. However, if you're lonely because you don't have fellowship with other believers, then a change would be a wise move. There are times when change is wise. But I think more often than not, we desire to change our circumstances in order to solve how we react, that loneliness. To give you an example, think of the freshman who transfers at the end of the semester. Right? Maybe you're thinking about this right now. They're at a new university with new classes and new people all around them. And maybe they feel alone, wondering if they're going to make any solid friendships. Which is understandable for a freshman coming in. If they don't know anybody, that's understandable. But they haven't really put much effort into building relationships with others. And since they seem... To not be able to make friends, they're thinking about transferring at the end of the semester, hoping that maybe that transfer will solve and remedy their loneliness. Now, understand, there may be good reasons to transfer, right? If you have family issues and you have to transfer, well, those are good reasons. There are good reasons to change your circumstances in that situation. But transferring to solve your friend's problem without seeking to build any relationships isn't going to solve your loneliness, You're only delaying it, trying to escape it. And so changing our circumstances may solve our aloneness to try to put us around more people, but it can't solve our loneliness nor prevent us from getting lonely. And so one of the the problems is that we're placing false expectations on other people to meet these expectations that we've set up for them. We're asking others to be for us what only God can be. So we've misplaced our heart's hope and our heart's trust. That's the first lie, that we can fix fix our loneliness. Number two, we are alone. The lie that we are alone. Think about social media in this regard. Social media is deceptive. Often through social media, we try to project how we want others to view us, right? We try to project how we want others to view us on social media. We are all guilty of this. And what happens is that it gives off this false perception that everybody's just got everything together, right? Everyone is enjoying rock-solid vacations. Everybody is living it up in their friendships and during the holidays, Right? The tree is decked out. The family is everywhere. Chestnuts are roasting by the fire. Okay? And we're taking pictures of all of it. And we're blowing the Twitterverse up. 
And it can end up, what happens is, this can end up leaving us feeling like we're the only ones who don't have what everybody else has. That's how, you know that's how you often feel. When you see those pictures, and you're like, man, it would have been nice to be with that group that went and hung out that night at that place. And yet somehow I was left out. You know how that feels. And it intensifies. What it does is that it intensifies our feeling of loneliness. And if we're alone, right, as if we are alone in our circumstances, right, we're the only one who has to do, you know, we're the only one that knows about this. We're the only one that's left out. I felt like this yesterday. I'm at the farmer's market. Everybody is like, it just looks like everybody's getting ready for game day. Alabama, Florida State. And what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about prep work, right? I'm alone. That's what I'm thinking about. Everybody else having a gay old time. And I'm alone. And many times we can respond by trying to just escape our situation. We try to distract ourselves with various things. We try to distract ourselves with music, with our phones, constantly on our phones. We try to distract ourselves with a new Netflix binge watch. That's what we're trying to do. We try to keep ourselves busy so that we don't have to face the emptiness that is really within us. We just want to throw that off for the time being. However, the Lord is the answer. The Lord is the answer to our loneliness. Over and over again, we see the Lord's presence guiding his people, promising them, I will be with you. I will be with you. Abraham, take Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. God calls Abraham out of his own country. This man is like, he's a Chaldean. It's the land of Babylon. Okay? This man is a pagan. He is not a God worshiper. He calls him out of his own country, away from his relatives, and out of his own father's house to the land of Canaan. At the age, at the whopping age of 75 years old, God promises Abraham that he will make him a great nation, that he will bless him, and he will bless all the families of the earth through him and his offspring. Can you imagine, can you imagine the loneliness that Abraham probably felt at the age of 75, trekking across all that land to go to Canaan because God had called him to do that? His circumstances would have told us that he's alone and he is out of his mind for leaving everything that he'd ever known. And yet Abraham believed God and he was with him every step of the way. We see this with the life of David as well. In Psalm 23, that sweet, sweet psalm. Psalm 23. David says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David could fear no evil because he knew that God's presence was with him. And so what's the comfort in the midst of our loneliness? It's the presence of God. It's knowing that God is with you till the end of the age. If you're united to Christ through faith, saying you're alone in any situation of life is a lie. It is a lie if you are a believer. As Jesus has said, I am with you always to the end of the age. As it is said again in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And as we'll learn in our Matthew inductive studies, 
It's why his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And that leads us to the remedy for your, loneliness, for your loneliness, number two. So as we just saw, and point number one is the longest, by the way. So as we just saw, we looked at the lies of loneliness. Now we want to look at the remedy for your loneliness. And we just saw in the story of Abraham and David that God is with his people. But to have the presence of God with you, you must first ask if you are a part of his people, if you're a part of his family. And to be in his family, you must be in his son. So are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Are you united to him through faith? We all come into this world alienated from God. We are by nature sinners. We come into this world alienated from God on the wrong side. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. And yet God shows his love for us in that, get this, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't because of how lovely we are, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul says in Romans 5.8, Jesus went to the cross as one who was despised and rejected by his own people. They did not even receive their own prophet or Messiah. And if anyone understands loneliness, it's Jesus. As Isaiah proclaimed nearly 700 years before Jesus' death, he says this, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So Christ took our loneliness upon himself. Our separation from God was placed upon Christ as he hung there alone on that cross. His disciples had fled and his own father had forsaken him on that cross as he cried out to him, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken by his father for us. He took our separation from God because our own sin, because of our sin. He took our, our sin upon himself so that all who would turn from their sin and trust in Jesus may never be separated and alienated from God again. Never will you be forsaken by God again. For those who are united to Christ through faith, Paul says in Romans 8 that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And from Romans, at the end of Romans 8, he begins with no condemnation and he ends with no separation. And by his wounds, we gain healing from the pain of our loneliness. No circumstance of life nor person can, feel, can fill 
that emptiness that you feel that you feel from your loneliness except Christ. Only Christ alone can fill that void. Friends, stop trying to fill your loneliness with things that cannot fill it. Instead, rest in Christ's finished work on your behalf by turning from sin and trusting in him as your Lord and Savior. And then wait with hopeful, eager expectation for his return to do away with every empty, lonely pain that you ever feel and will feel in your life. Do away with that. As St. Augustine has said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Our hearts are longing for that unhindered intimacy with God and others, and we can only have it in Christ. For those united to Christ through faith, not only are you accepted before God, but you're united to him through faith in Christ. And not only that, you're also adopted and united to his family. You're adopted into his own family, the church. And so God doesn't just leave us to ourselves to just battle our loneliness on our own. Instead, he gives us a family to help us make war against the desire to just use people, right? So what you need to just use people for your own needs, thinking that we need other people to be able to fill us. He turns our focus away from ourselves and from serving ourselves to serving others. When you're united to Christ, you're united to his body and to his family. To be in Christ is to be in his family. You can't love Christ and hate his bride. You would be hating Christ if that were the case. So you weren't created to be an, you weren't created to be an island. You weren't created to be an autonomous human being, a lone ranger Christian. God created you for community in his family. And his family on earth is seen in local churches scattered throughout the world. Brothers and sisters, in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, helping one another fight the fight of faith. That's what local churches have within it. Believers helping one another fight the fight of faith. And when one suffers, all suffers. When one rejoices, everybody rejoices. So how do we respond to our loneliness with this knowledge? How do we respond? Point number three. How do we respond to it? Well, number one, we need to turn to God. Turn to God. Rather than distracting ourselves to death, right? rather than just distracting ourselves and trying to escape the pain of our loneliness, we need to engage with God. So rather than escape, we need to engage. So don't escape but engage with God. When we live in fear of loneliness, we're believing that God really isn't who God says that he is. Instead, direct your loneliness to God. Understand, your identity isn't found in how you feel at the time. I know that's hard to believe, but it's not in how you feel in the moment. That's not where your identity is found. But your identity is found in Christ. And so when loneliness strikes, you turn to God in his word and you remind yourself that he is with you. You remind yourself of who you are in Christ. And I just want to give you a couple of passages that if you want to meditate upon them and study them this week, it'd be great. So here are a couple of passages. I'm just going to give you the references. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Psalm 23, meditating on that psalm. 
Matthew 28, 20. John 14, 16 through 18. The gift of the Spirit. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him, with him, give us, graciously give us everything. Give us all things. That's Romans 8, 32. And then meditate. Meditate on all of the spiritual blessings that you receive in Christ in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Just go and read of all those glorious blessings that you receive in Christ. But the point of the passage isn't just about you. It's about you giving praise to God who has gifted you with all those spiritual gifts in the heavenly places. Number two, join a church and serve. You knew it was coming. Union with Christ, union with the community, Join a church and serve. God created you for community so that you may glorify him in the world through the love that you share in that community. I love how Mark Dever explains how glorifying God is one reason why you would join a local church. This is what he says. We testify to the world about what God is like by how we love one another. And a committed persevering, accountable love is far greater, is a far greater picture of God's love than a picky and choosy, I'll only be involved with the people I want kind of love. By committing to one another as members of the same church, we display, we display the glory of God's love, a committed, persevering, transforming love, and we image it in our lives together and so bring him glory. So friends, it's this kind of love that can be a remedy to a lonely heart. God gave you other brothers and sisters in Christ to help you through those difficult situations. One, right? One, because it's not self-serving. Rather, it's self-sacrificing for the good of others and the glory of God. As it's been said, need others less and love others more. You're freed to be able to go into love others when you know that the Lord has given you that community to help you and you to help others through those bouts of loneliness. And so find a place to serve within the local church. It doesn't matter where it is. It could be with sound. It could be with parking. It could be in college ministry. It could be in youth. It could be in children's ministry, right? In the nursery, whatever it may be, find a place to serve and love other brothers and sisters in Christ well. Maybe you could babysit for those who have young children. That would sound like a splendid idea. Maybe you could do that. That's just one way you can love your brothers and sisters in Christ. I know I'm not speaking about me. I'm not speaking about me. Okay. And finally, pursue intimate friendships in the church. Relationships are God's provision for us. But they aren't an end in themselves. They're not an end in themselves. God has given us relationships to point beyond themselves to a deeper longing for God. That's what they're for. So how long, so how can we pursue and develop deeper, more intimate relationships? How can we do that? I love the advice that Ed Shaw gives in one of the chapters in a book that he recently wrote. He says this, First of all, 
we need to make time for people. So you need to ask yourself if you make time for other people. Do you make time for other believers in the same church as you and other believers in general? Do you make time for them to serve them? Do you make time for them to be around them? That's the first one. Friendships are built not through snatched conversations before and after service, he goes on to say, but when we linger in each other's company. Right? So find, find other members not your age and get to know them. Sit in a different section of the main hall on a Sunday morning than you normally sit in. Do that for a couple of weeks and get to know other brothers and sisters. Second, begin to share some intimacies with some friends. Now, understand, when we talk about intimacy, we're not always talking about sexual intimacy. That's automatically what we think. You can have intimate, deep relationships with one another in friendships without it being sexual. So trust them with your worries, with your doubts, with your, feel, with your, uh, with your fears and with your pain, with your loneliness. Talk to them about these things. Have them, have them read, just state to you all of those promises that God has given to you in Christ. Ask them questions about their own life and how they're doing. And then finally, persevere. Just keep going in that and getting to know one another. As the Beatles once sang, oh, look at all the lonely people. Look at all the lonely people. We live in a lonely world seeking to be filled with pseudo-saviors, and yet needing to be filled with the love of the one true Savior, Christ. If you're outside of Christ, that loneliness isn't going away because you're trying to fill it with things that can never fill that deep void within you. So turn from your sin and trust in Jesus, who is the only one who could fill that void and give you the joy that you could never dream to have only in this life and the things that this life can offer you. So how will you respond to your loneliness and the loneliness of those around you this week? That's what we need to be asking ourselves.